Imagine a magnificent life where you can master anything you want to, where time is not a barrier. Struggles and challenges you face can be overcome. You can create ultimate control and access higher potential that brings joy and fulfillment in your life. To achieve this, we must first empty our mind to be open for new possibilities before we can launch into infinite heights. In the words of Zen master Shinryo Suzuki, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert's mind, there are few. Join me, the maestro Vincent Chang, as we uncover the secrets to going from zero to infinity. Hello, Danielle. So good to see you and welcome to the Zero to Infinity podcast. I'm so happy you're on board and I'm looking forward to exploring so much with you. Thank you, Vincent. I'm really excited about this as well. Nice. And I know, you know, just to share a little background, we started as these little newbies in uh, the book publishing world in the same boot camp, you know, maybe at almost uh, almost two years ago. And Already. I, what are we doing? And, and now we both have books coming out and now we're doing interviews and, oh, and, and sharing our message. So I just want to congratulate you. And I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. Thank you. And I'm same with you. It's really exciting to see the progress and to see the whole journey. It's a lot of fun to, to follow each other that way. Absolutely. And I know maybe some of you want to check it out. Both of us are featured on this book called Best Advice for Coaches. We each have a chapter there alongside Bob yeah. Proctor. That's That's been exciting, right? It is. It's, it's surreal when you think about it. But if we look back two years ago when you said we were newbies, we're thinking, how are we going to do this? And, and it's happening now. It's, it's amazing. It's a whole life change, like the amount of the transformation that has happened in such a short time, even during the pandemic, too, right? <laughs> That's right. And it, it, yet it feels like it's so far, so gone, so long ago, that, yeah. but it's only been two years. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to talk about a lot today. I know you have so much to share. Your your life is, you know, pretty similar to mine. You've gone through quite a few dimensions and lifetimes, I would call them. So we're going to introduce Danielle. I'm going to give a little background and then we'll just get right into it. All right. Mm -hmm. So Danielle C. Baker is a registered early childhood educator, a college professor, a rapid transformation therapy practitioner, or RTT with Ms. Rissa Peer, amazing, and an author. She's the author of the upcoming book, Bringing Up the World, How to Finally Focus on What Matters and Watch the Child Bloom. She also works as an education consultant with KNO3 Innovative Designs for STEAM learning programs in schools. She has worked with children and their families for over 20 years and has extensive experience working with children with genetic, cognitive, and behavioral disorders. Danielle founded Being Connected, an educational platform which offers workshops, courses, resources, and coaching for parents and teachers. Danielle continues to focus on providing fun and unique teaching methods for schools to help children learn in their own unique ways while providing teachers and educators with useful resources to make teaching easier for them. 
What a noble goal. What a, an awesome thing that's so needed in our world today. And I just want to share a little bit my vision of when I was in the boot camp. It's, it's when we started writing the book. I'm like, I have a, a vision. I wanted to build new schools in the whole world, every country in the world, just to teach some of these things we never got and that you are now teaching. And so maybe you can share a little bit. One of the main things that's so needed that's not being taught in schools and what do you focus on when, you know, you work with children's parents and teachers? The one major thing that really got me interested in trying to make a difference in the schools is that we have a very outdated educational system. And especially now with the last two years, but even we're talking decades, even maybe centuries, where we are no longer cut out to 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 fit into this box where we have an educational system where it's the students that have to fit the system's mold. And it should really be the other way around. And we see it more and more. I worked in school settings for nearly 18 years and we see what most educators or teachers will call behavioral issues, but it really is what, from what I see, it's just that the system is too outdated and it's not catering to the needs of the, of the students. So it should be the other way around instead of getting all these children to fit into a box. We should really get the school systems to cater to the children's needs. And it's not that complicated. I know it sounds very complicated to say, well, how can we cater to individuals? But once you get the process going, it would actually save us time and effort in the schools because there would be less behavioral issues in the schools. The children would be motivated and encouraged to learn some more. And uh, so we wouldn't have these issues of children being bored or not getting their answers or their questions answered. So it, it really starts from there is we need to make some changes. They're not hard changes to do. We just to, need to cut through that stigma that uh, we should be fixed with it's not broken, but it, it's it's time to, to change something to have better results. Well, that's so awesome because, I mean, I completely relate to it. Having, you know, gone through that system myself and now seeing the impact of how it has, you know, like changed me or if it conditioned me, you know, this we, I think I talk about it in our second episode. It's like we put in a box and we don't fit the box. Let's label you as something wrong with this exactly. disorder. And then they have to come to us for therapy 10 years later to, to understand that it's not the condition. They're not that. That's right. And that's part of my story as well, because I was I was an A student. I was not, not a difficult student. Um, and I wasn't making a lot of noise. I would help others. But I struggled throughout my school years silently because I did not learn the way we are taught at school. I was fine. My grades were great. But I had to sit in class and then go home and learn it my way. I was a very visual uh, student. And 
I had to get my hands on it. So I had a particular way of learning and that's not the way we were taught at school. So for me, throughout the years, it was just, I felt like it was a waste of time for me because I had to go home and learn it by myself. And so a lot of people would say, well, you're doing great. You have great grades. What are you complaining about? But it, it was a struggle. It wasn't because I was looking for attention. I just didn't understand with the teacher in front of the class, just talking to a board where I'm visual, I need to see something tangible. So it it was difficult. So from my own experience, I know what these children are going through. And I know what the parents are going through as well, trying to get their their children to fit that box. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be criticized that their children are not performing the way that they should at school. So this is where this whole being connected idea came from, was to help the parents to uh, gain their confidence, to be able to say, no, my child learns a different way. Let's help them in their way. And that's where it starts. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing your story. I think a lot of the our mission to improve the world comes from our own experience of what we lacked or what we struggled with. And, you know, this is why we're doing what I'm doing, what you're doing. It's like, We don't have to go through this to get here. There could be another way. So, you know, good for you for being so creative and creating this new possibility. And I think this is what it's all about. It's about educating from the ground up. Like we're we're not educating the system, you know, what you're learning, math and science. No, we're educating how the teachers learn more about the person, the child versus the subject that you are getting right or wrong. So maybe you can talk about being connected, your vision, your baby here, and uh, and how you you know work with someone, and how you look at both sides and integrate some of the concepts and and help children and parents and teachers. Originally, for being connected was to create programs for the students, and so it was really just to work in with the different learning styles and and teaching the parents and the teachers how to recognize the different learning styles of children. So we're more used to it now. When I first started with the idea, we weren't as aware of the neurodiversity. We do actually have vocabulary for it now, but, you know, working with children with learning disorders or some other challenges that they may have when we're working with them in schools, we can get to to find something that works great for them, but then we send them home to parents who are in survival mode. They're trying to figure all of that out. They're trying to keep up with the the homework and the new way to, you know, the new math, the new languages. And uh, so, so they're struggling and so that was originally what the, the the program was for the children. It kind of evolved to go into helping adults because, as I, as I mentioned, it, we can help the children, but then we hand them over to adults who are still struggling with the older ways of teaching. So it kind of has both now. We are helping the uh, the parents. We are helping educators and teachers to just simply, there's, there's simple modifications. We're not changing the whole system because that does take a lot of time and effort, but just little little nuances that we're changing so that it just makes it easier for them, especially in a classroom setting where they have less resources, more, more students, and they don't necessarily have everything that they need on hand. So it's just little things that can help that help helps the entire class, not just the students that are struggling, so that when you have your whole class, 
in order that you can focus on the two or three that do require a bit more attention. So you're spending less time putting out fires. That's the way I say, it. Uh, you know, you're not putting out fires, but you're actually helping. And that's the only change that we want in a classroom setting is to stop dealing with behaviors and, and you know, stop them before the behaviors begin and have that more positive impact in class because the students a lot of the times have to wait for the other students behavior to to, to calm down so everybody's kind of in turmoil but by making these modifications so we can actually keep the, the classroom engaged and focus on the individual needs so it makes a, a, a big difference so we do have that coaching aspect of it but we we are as well uh, coming up with new and innovative idea, uh, ways of teaching so that you don't have to teach the class five different times but you teach it all at once and it's available for children that are social learners or that are uh, the hands-on learners or visual learners or auditory learners, we can mix it all up so that everybody is, is catered to at the same time. So it takes less time. And uh, once it's implemented, the teachers and the parents really see the difference. But in the beginning, it's a little scary to think, well, I, I don't even have time to make these changes, but these changes do change. They save you time in the end. Wow, that's amazing. It's so good to know like that we have this possibility you know that you've created and and I know for myself I never got the opportunity to learn in a way that I'm but now reflecting back like this is how I ah this is one of my superpowers right as opposed to my deficit or my disorder or my lack and there's so much negative talk around education that we don't realize it. It's, it's so pervasive. And I think that's one of the limits that we encounter. And so here you're putting that positive spin is, is awesome. Now, I'm curious if maybe you know, this work is all about patterns, right? If we see a certain pattern, we want to, we can find a solution to maybe break that pattern to find a better possibility. What, what's the most common pattern that you've seen and maybe bringing in a, a specific example working with children or teachers that you've made a, a real like shift in and it's really wow, profound, like let's implement this everywhere. Yeah, one of the major patterns that we will see in schools is, is everybody's in reactive mode. So when there's a little incident, everybody reacts as opposed to take a step back and, and analyze everything that's happening. So we will react on the actual behavior or the actual incident, but we don't look around to see what happened before or during or after. So sometimes we are addressing an issue that was not the initial issue. So it, it kind of snowballs from there. So being reactive, you, you've mentioned it, when, when you don't fit the mold, you kind of, you already know that you're being judged. And as a child, when you're labeled something, you know that it, no matter how young you are, I've worked with preschoolers and toddlers, they already know that they're different. And I don't like to use that word, but in the school setting, that's the word that we still use is different. But so they, they already are focused on that. They're working so hard to fit in and they're struggling still. So that's the pattern that we, we need to move away from and to focus on the positive because we still respond to negative behaviors. So 
we are feeding that behavior some more. We're, we're dealing with children who at a very young age, all they look for is an adult's approval. So if they only get attention when they do something negative, we're teaching them to keep with the negative behavior to get more attention. And then it spreads because the children who do not have negative behaviors will see that Well, when I act up, that's when an adult pays attention to me. So I'll just keep acting up. So it's to switch that to the positive. So when you're in a classroom full of children that are talking, and but you have that one student who's quiet and you congratulate the student that's being quiet. And all of a sudden you'll see that everybody will quiet because they want to get that praise. So that's one of the pattern that you want to. You also have to pay attention to yourself as a parent or as a teacher or any adult when you're asking your, your students to settle down, but you're doing it in a very... Uh, I'll give you one example that I like is when you class is being rowdy and you hear the teacher yelling to be quiet. Those are very conflicting messages for children when you're telling them to be quiet, but you yourself are screaming. So you need to, to change that. Or if a child has had a negative behavior that day or a bad day, that's usually what we say, is to not focus on the bad day, but focus on the good things that did happen. The child did not have negative behaviors the entire day. <laughs> they were some good moments. So let's focus on that. And that's what the parents need to hear as well. At the end of the day, it's like, we've, yeah, we've had some instances, but we've also, and we've also had some great days. So let the child hear you tell their parents that they have, did some great things so that they want to continue doing these these great things and get more praise that way. So that's a major pattern is to focus on the positive, move away from the negative. It can be difficult sometimes when we were talking about safety issues, but um, there are some positive in the day and we need to focus on those. Well, that's amazing. Like, you know, and, and, and really understanding the emotional, like the psychological side more so than, you know, putting out fires, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you're disrupting your and I like how this, you know, and in the therapy space, we 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 often talk about the defense of splitting, right? It's you're either all good or you're all bad. Right. And you become the bad or you become the good. So if you made a mistake, then I'm gonna focus. Mm -hmm. I'm on my mistake all day. Or I'm an angel today. So great. And then now just waiting for the shoe to drop and you're back and forth. It's like yeah. Do you encounter instances like that? And how do you, I guess, break, you're tipping the scales almost. You're saying you're one, you're not either or. Is that something that also like comes up for you in, in working with everyone? Yeah, very much so. I think that's what we, you've mentioned it earlier is even us growing up, we have that model of we will only, you know, good. We won't say anything if it all went well. We'll only address the the, the bad issues, and the negative of the day. So we do get that, and not just with children with behaviors or, or difficulties at school, but any child. We usually write a note to the parents when there's been some, an incident. We've never really talked about the great things that happen, or if we do, we do it very quickly. Or I've even at parent-teacher meetings where we hear, well, your child is doing great, so I really don't need to meet you. Yeah, we should meet. You know, Let's talk about these great things so we know what to emphasize on. And the parents will 
you build that trust with the parents. The parents and teachers are on the same team. We want to make sure that the child blooms. That's what my book is all about, is let's focus on the child. That's what matters. It's not a question of what looks good for me. You know, as a parent, my child is well-behaved and does well at school, so I'm doing great. But if your child has some difficulties, you start to criticize yourself, you're afraid to be judged, your child picks up on that energy, so they're also trying, putting that pressure. So we have a lot of children with anxiety coming into school because they come in with that pressure. I have to be good for my parents. And some of them can't help it, depending on their condition. They will have slip-ups. I mean, even if Adults, we have days where we're not too proud of how we reacted. So we we can't expect our children to be perfect because we as adults are not even able to do that. So we really do need to focus on that. Let's change it. Let's make it a positive learning environment because any child or even us as adults going into work, if we knew that we would only be criticized on the things that we did wrong that day, we wouldn't want to come into work. And we're grown. We know better. I mean, we can reason our way out of it. But as children, they haven't had that experience yet. So they're coming in negative. Of course, they're not going to want to. They're not going to want to go to school. They're not going to want to be in class. And they will react. And they're thinking, if I'm labeled as a bad student, I might as well just take on the role. So it is important to have that support. And even if it's just a fraction of a second that day where the child did something great, let's praise that. It's not going to be a bad, no child, I'm looking for my, the right words here, no child will take that as being spoiled <laughs> or, you know, it's just, I, they need to be validated no matter what. And the other students, if I'll give you an example, if there's that one child in class that's always getting into trouble, that's always causing some kind of commotion, all the other children around him or her is hearing this all day, that this child is bad, that this child does this, that this child does that. So it's not just the child that's going through this, but the entire, his, the peers, the, the, the groups, the are being conditioned to judge this particular student. So we have to work on the children that do have challenges, but we also have to sensitize the other children that everybody's different. Everybody will react differently. And there's some things that we can do to help so that we're not triggering this person to to have more outbursts. So there's a bit of work on both sides to do, not just for the child that that could be struggling, but for every children to recognize that they also have a role in this, then they can transfer that over to their once they're adults to the workforce. So we're we're working on the compassion, the empathy, and uh, understanding the root cause of these behaviors or these challenges. I like how you tie it into when they become adults, and it's like you know that same sort of maybe that old system of education is the old system of work right of being an employee or a manager and you know i i talk about this too this lack mindset versus this growth you know have mindset where if i'm going to be fearing that i'm not this i did this wrong and that's where anxiety and fear is all you know it's going to grow and you know how can you know and here you are switching that so let's teach them growth mindset to appreciate and accept you have these days, but you also have this, and this is you as a whole. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, and we're seeing this change too, especially during the pandemic where, 
people are reevaluating what a job is to them, how they approach work. Now they're working from home. You mustn't, I know I was, like there's a consensus that, you know, most people don't like their job. You know, they just they just need to be in there to make the money. And and I think I talk about this. And that was me too. It's like it's almost a norm. Like, what where does that come from? And now people are a lot of them. There's a resignation. People are just leaving and starting an old company. And I did that. And like, where do you see that? And like in that, I'm talking about the child potential. And here this is this whole podcast from zero to infinity. How do we increase that through your process to say, we better equip for them in the future. And what do you foresee for them in the future if, you know, your vision really expands? Yeah. I have to keep in mind, especially with the, the um, pandemic, it's opened up the entire world to everyone. We're not just limited to our own town or our little area. Everybody is open to the entire world now. So we need to, to see things ahead and realize that every child at some point in their adult life will be sitting in a boardroom or sitting on a conference call with people from all over the world. So now we're bringing in different cultures, different ways of life and different approaches. And we need to have that mindset of being open to different things and different ways of, of doing things. And so that's why it is so important to start young, to teach about this. Everybody has different ideas. Doesn't mean that because it's different from yours or somebody is different from you that it's wrong. So we need to move away from that. And we are noticing it more with adults now. There's been, you know, we're talking more about mental health at work. We're talking, you know, we were addressing these issues of professional burnout. And this is what was the same for me a couple of years ago. I also had to leave my job and I love my work. I loved it. Uh, but the conditions were changing with new laws and new legislations and new policies that was becoming a little, when you're in a world uh, working with children, you can't be a robot. You know, there's this, this, this human side that you need to keep with children. And I was supervising a daycare. So as a supervisor, you're making sure that the laws and the policies are in order. So it was becoming a robot. And that's when I got the disconnection for my side. It wasn't working. I needed to be to stay human with children. And so that's how I started. So this this whole concept of understanding and recognizing for yourself when things feel off is very important. And we are not taught this at school. We're not taught about stress and anxiety and the, the long-term effects of stress and anxiety. I mean, it's, it's, we are designed to have it for small spurts of, you know, to survive, <laughs> but that yes. flight or, right, or fight or, you know, freeze or faint. But on, we're, we're adding this on for years. The body shuts down. Your body is not supposed to be in distress for so long. And we we see this now with children that haven't even started school yet. They come already stressed out because the parents are stressed out. Hurry up. We're going to be late. I'm going to be late for work. We have traffic. We have this. We have that. We have to eat in the car. And then they're being picked up after school. It's like, okay, hurry up. We have soccer. We have this. We eat in the car. You know, the kids are coming to us. They're already wired and they don't, they don't even know why. And we're not doing this on purpose. We're not doing this to hurt our children, but that was the reality. People are recognizing now that it's not a healthy way to go about it. But by teaching the children how to recognize this, what we should have 
learned growing up is when it doesn't feel right anymore, what are your warning signs? How does your body respond to stress? How do you respond to fears and insecurities? We all live through that differently. So there is no cookie cutter way of doing it. And that's that's what the old system is. is if your tummy hurts, that means you have indigestion. But no, it could also mean that you're scared of the presentation that you have to do. You know, So these are signs that we need to work on with children learn early on. So when they grow up, they they are able to, they are they have the tools to deal with it and they can recognize it with their surroundings as well. So their own family, their loved ones, their friends, they'll be able to recognize it. And I just think that that will give us such a, a more positive and healthy environment, both at home and work settings and worldwide is to have that already in place and that we're able to work together to recognize that, okay, somebody is not feeling too good today. So let's let's help them out because one day I'm the one who's not going to feel well. And I would love to have that help. You know, so it's it's not a it's no longer a solo thing where it's it's my performance and only my performance. Or in the case of children, well this is not my child, it's not my problem. When it's your child who's struggling, you want to have that additional help. So it's to to, to get that mindset of well today I'm not 100%, but the, another day I'll be doing 120% because somebody else is not going to be feeling well. So we need to carry that over. It's no longer just my performance, but it's as a whole, the whole team that benefits from it. Yeah, that's so amazing how we affect each other without even knowing it. And this is about teaching a dimension of self-awareness that actually you, you could say... It's a stigma still where we're taught to deny or reject or dismiss bad feelings like fear or sadness or anger or, and like I'm, I'm seeing that perhaps why seeing the source of why some children might say act up, you know, or do something maybe underneath there's awareness around they're feeling left out or they're going through something. And like this is such a huge landscape that is not even touched on i think now it's beginning and meanwhile where it's like more f- feeding that knowledge to the brain versus attending to the heart so and then it goes to the workplace right you go to work you don't want to be afraid and mm-hmm. no, we ahead. do see that when we often say in, in our line of work that when you have emotions that are not expressed they fester inside and they, they kind of manifest physically. So it, it is important for children, first of all, because they don't, they can't even identify the emotion yet when they're very young. They don't even know what they're feeling. They know they're not feeling well, but they don't know what it is. So we do have to teach them. And that's done in their early childhood education is about the emotions. Okay, you're feeling angry, you're feeling sad, you're feeling anxious. We're teaching them those words because they don't even have a vocabulary for them. But we have to allow them to feel it. We, When we have great moments and we're happy and we're laughing to the point where we're crying, nobody's stopping us. Nobody's saying, oh, you should stop now. You know, you're not allowed to be this happy. Uh, it's got to be the same 
on the negative side, if you're feeling angry, that uh, does have to come out. There's a healthy way of doing it that's not destructive. And that's where you need to teach it is it's okay. You're angry. I understand that. Let's let's do this in a way that's not going to harm other people or yourself. You know, let's, there's a healthy way to, to manage it. And once that emotion is done, it's done. But if we keep it inside, it just builds up. So to teach the children that it's okay to have negative emotions, we just have to make sure that we're not hurting anybody in the process. And when it's done, we let it go and we move on. So it's, it's important for them to be able to see those emotions, to address them. And every time there's a child, there's also that, well, the child is just acting up or it's just, you know, they're looking for attention or no, they, when they have negative behaviors, it's because there is a need that's not being addressed. And as long as we're not addressing that need, there's going to be outbursts. So that's the, the, when I say the little change that we need to do in our education system is stop because we feel uncomfortable around a child that's acting up the way that we say that they're not acting up. But if they're having a meltdown, we feel uncomfortable. So we have to shut it down. But that's not it. Address it. End it. And then you're good. And the child will trust you later on. If there's another outburst, they know that they won't be judged. They know that they won't be labeled, you know, that they feel safe around you. Those meltdowns will not last as long because now you've built that trust with them. So that that saves you time. There's less fires to put out. You'll be able to recognize the signs before the meltdown happens. And those little red flags that you, you get just before an outburst, you're able to catch them before you get the meltdown so you can address the issue a lot faster. You bring up the core of the work, I would say, that we do. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what do they actually need? And, you know, I've worked with so many clients. Actually, this is how I base my program. It's like, what do you need? And when you first ask someone that, they're like, I have no idea what I need. But oftentimes they know what they don't want. They don't know what they don't need, right? Which is, you know, this pain or this thing. or that. So, if we're more equipped and, and it seems like that's what you're educating to address the need or give the need, even though they don't know what it is, but start to formulate their experience and say, wait, there's something here. What is this? Because you've allowed it to happen without judgment. Yeah. And that's how we can really make a shift. So Exactly. And, and the issues that they address, the first things they tell you are usually not the root cause of it they're just a surface they're a symptom of the root cause so you, they're layers and, and that's what i love about rtt is they talk about it like it's an onion you have the core and then we just add layers to it and this is why it's great to start young because onion doesn't have that many layers yet as adults we've built a lot around it we've built an entire fortress around our pain so it's harder to take those walls down. But as a child, they're still fresh. So it's easier to get to the root cause of their pain or their struggle and address it right away. So it's, it's so much easier when you start young and um, just to teach them. And you were saying earlier, they can take that and help somebody else. So you're not just one person helping the entire world. It's, it's, it becomes exponential. So you can change the world one child at a time because this child is going to go home and take care of an entire family. So it is possible to make some, some positive changes, but uh, we address it early on. Benefits are so much worth 
the the initial work that uh, there's no question about it. it it has to be done and then here we have the power of little changes small incremental changes can over time like spread exponentially to huge change rather than making that big change right off the bat you know with lots of resistance and we fear change like that's our in our nature so even when yeah. we know it's beneficial for us even if we know it'll make our life easier we still will resist it because we're not used to it it's it's scary and it's the same for children once we're out of our routine, we're just like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but once you build that confidence, you realize that we were just making our lives so much more difficult before this. <laughs> yes, and you can see, you know, in our own lives, in your life especially, like how you've made big changes. And even though it's like, well, how long did it take for me to make that change and how fearful and terrifying it is to do it? And I, I see this, you know, this is why we're talking because we, there are so many people out there wanting a lot more for their lives, wanting more fulfillment and happiness. And they know they get, but they have to do this. They have to change. And if you see it, you know, for working with children or even adults, like what advice would you give these people that are listening that you have a change, you can do it. What would you say to them? If you asked me this question three years ago, I wouldn't have known how to answer it because I was that person saying, I can't do this. You're on the ledge and you need to jump and you just, I don't want to. That comfort zone is what is holding you back. What you've always known is your challenge, actually. It is what's holding you back and I'm living it. I know we've talked about this when we first started our our journey a couple of years ago, but when you get comfortable and you start feeling, you, you know, when things were always great and all of a sudden things don't feel so good, that's your first indication that it's time to move on. You need some growth, you need some change and we won't want to make that change because we're so comfortable. So I'm great here. Why would I want to change? You know, that's what I went through when I decided I was going to leave my the jobs that I loved and, you know, start something new where I had no guarantee that this was going to move me forward. Uh, I was like, why would I do that? And everybody around me thought I was crazy. So that's one thing is uh, look at your surroundings and look at who's there to help you, who's there to support you. and ask yourself, this is one of the toughest thing, and I'm speaking personally, but working with my clients as well as when they are resistant to change is to ask, well, what's holding you back? And they're like, well, there's nothing wrong. Everything always worked, you know, this how I've always done it. And it's to ask that question of, well, how well is that working for you? And I know that our mentor used to say that often when we would resist yes. him. He'd be like, be like, when well, how well is that working for you? And be like, Oh, no, you know, the ego kicks in. I'm like, no, you're right. And I don't want you to be right. So it's that it's that initial thought of, okay, well, why am I resisting? Why am I really holding back? And for parents, especially if their children are are labeled as difficult. And again, I don't like that that difficult, different. I don't like those terms. But uh, a lot of the times they're getting advice from people who don't live their reality. If we have a child that has sensory disorders, autism, that that have these big outbursts that are not 
it's not just a child is not feeling well and is having a bad day. This is something that you go on a regular basis. You feel so helpless as a parent. You don't want your child to be suffering. You don't want your child to be judged. You don't want to be judged. But you're getting advice uh, from people that are they don't live your reality. They really don't know what you're going through. They're thinking your child is just being, you know, difficult or, you know, the, the lazy or whatever, the, all those bad terms that we hear often. So look at where you want to be. Look at the results that you want. Look at, you know, how you see your life being easier and then go seek people that are living it, that are in that environment, that are going to be able to sympathize with you and to empathize with you. So for parents who are with children with some difficulties, there's another great thing about the last two years is we have access to so many other support groups now, some some great us through social media with groups of parents that are living your realities and you have meltdowns and where toys are flying all over, you know, you know, things are breaking, things are, you know, get that support and your mind will change and we can go on the positive side. And that's what we've, we've gone through as well is uh, through our program, through our boot camp is we're around people that are going through the same thing. So when you're, you're not feeling it that day, when you you don't want to jump off the ledge, you got somebody who's going to say, do it. You've got it. We've, we're here for you. We will support you. You're not going to regret. So you have your own cheerleading squad with you. So that helps a lot. And uh, children need that as well. They need that encouragement to say, you're doing great because they're doing something new every day. They're learning something. They're, they're taking that leap every day. So say, you're doing great. I'm here for you. If we mess up, it's okay. We'll fix it, you know, and that gives them the confidence to move on. And, and I can say personally from the last two years, I'm still going through some changes. But now when I have that moment of, ah, oh, really, do I need to do that? It doesn't take me weeks to say, OK, I'm doing it. I'm just I take my deep breath in and say, OK, we're doing this and just and just jump and do it. So it's, it gets easier. You just have to do it. That's it. It does get easier and taking action. You know, you know that theme just as well as I do. Just got to do it and believe you can do it. And it's so great focusing on the people who will support you versus focusing on the people who don't and judge you. And, and oftentimes these end up to be the people closest to us sometimes, you know, our friends or family. It's like, oh, you know, and going through this journey together, like, well, they look at you. Why would you do that? You're, that's crazy. And you know, so, yeah, encouraging everyone to focus on who get the support and you can do it. So, yeah, yeah I just have one more topic that I really feel is is in, in the theme of, of, you know, this journey. Children grow up full of joy. They play. You can take a paper bag and they can just do whatever. And there's so much infinite imagination, creativity. But as we go through this school system, it just diminishes and closes. And then we get to work. And it's like, we're not supposed to have fun. We're supposed to sit on this cubicle. And then you do this and like, talk about what it is like. And part of my vision is like integrating fun right now and enjoy what I'm doing. Versus work is a stressful place and I have to do this and then I can have fun. How do we integrate it? How do we, maybe in, in your programs, in your experience, to maintain that? We don't shut their creativity down. We don't, you know, box their joy in and have them not have fun. 
I've always said I'm always I'm just a big kid trapped in, an, in a, a grown woman's body. I've always had that kind of childish energy. And I think that's why I didn't I used to have a government job and I didn't do too well there because I was I was that was just a little too structured for me, I guess. But and then people are so conditioned that once you're grown, you can't have fun anymore. That when you do see a grown adult having fun, you, they look off, you know, they're, they're, they're the strange ones. So you do need to keep that, that childlike energy throughout. And that's actually what feeds creativity and critical thinking skills and problem solving skills. And with the STEAM programs that I work on right now with schools, STEAM for uh, science, technology, engineering, arts and mathematics, it is all about finding new ways of solving problems or critical thinking skills are very important now for children to be able to say, well, somebody told me this, but let me look into it a little bit more and see if that that sounds right to me and not just follow the, the math, you know? So as a child, that's what you need. You, you, any child will see a stick and it will become a magic wand or a sword or a snake or there really is endless possibilities. So as, as you keep that, you need to feed it. A lot of the time, some of the, the biggest challenges I've gone through in daycare settings or schools it was the children that actually solved the issues because as an adult, we've become so logical that we're thinking, okay, well, we think this is the best for the children. But we forget to ask the children, is that what you need? Because we're only going by what we think. So we do all this work, this analysis, this testing, and then let's evaluate this and let's change it. And then we bring it over and that's not even what they needed. So let's stop wasting our time and go to the source and just focus on the children. So feed that energy. If you have somebody who's very a child that's very imaginative. They always have great stories. They're going to be your best problem solvers. So you want your class to have fun. If people have fun, they learn more as well. So we need to have that time to be able to joke around in a healthy way, of course, and to have fun, make it fun. That's what I loved about teaching, and especially in the sciences, is you never know what's going to happen when you're doing a science experiment. Sometimes it goes great, sometimes it doesn't. And that's what's great about teaching children about sciences and mathematics is you can have fun. And if you make a mess or, you, you know, you, it doesn't go the way that you do, you're showing children that it's okay to make mistakes and you're showing them that we're going to learn from them and fix it. That's part of the learning process. So we need to keep that childlike uh energy and it, as grown people if we're at any kind of job setting when we're at an impasse things are just no matter what we do that's the, usually the best way is when you bring your out your inner child is when you'll have some solutions you would have never thought of before so we, can, we have to change that and keep it feeling doesn't mean that we lose control and we're just you know it's just non-productive but you do need to be able to laugh and smile and and you know enjoy your day so when you come home you, it feels lighter if you it just even if you're not in a good mood and you just force a smile you will start to feel lighter so that's that's what we need to keep in the schools and at work that's so amazing and you know and i know i'm working with clients too and with myself 
there's so much work that has to be done to integrate and connect back to the inner child of us because we're taught or conditioned to reject it because we've been rejected. And, and, but once we do the most beautiful and amazing things happening and, and I can see that life can be transformed. And so, yeah, let's keep on bringing the fun and I, I salute your work. Congratulations. It's so awesome to be on this journey. And I Thank know you. we're going to look forward to so much more. And yeah. so, yeah, all our listeners, you know, well, thank you so much, Danielle, for being here. You can visit her at www.beingconnected.ca and you can email her to talk about. I'm sure she'll have tons of answers for your questions at Danielle at beingconnected.ca. So again, amazing time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom experience and imparting your vision. Like this is what you know, life is all about. Now it gets exciting, right? that's right thank you so much Vincent I had a great time it's always such a pleasure to be talking with you yes same here so till next time and stay tuned everyone for our next episode until then keep on going from zero to infinity you've begun this incredible journey to infinite mastery to reach infinity you must first get to zero be open to learn so that you can become a master in whatever you desire Infinity is possible when you master and leverage time to your advantage. Subscribe to the Zero to Infinity podcast with maestro Vincent Chang to gain ultimate control and realize higher potential. Visit my website at vincentchang.ca and healthesource.com to learn more about creating success and balance in your life so you can master anything.